Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Calvary Life DFW's weekly podcast. We hope that these messages encourage and inspire you in your personal journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. So, um, John chapter 5, verse 1. There was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in the Hebrew... In Hebrew, Bethesda, having five porches. And in this lay a multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had had an infirmity 38 years. So this guy's been this way a long time. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, rise up, take up your, rise, take up your bed and walk. Immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked, and that day was the Sabbath. So that's important. The Jews therefore said to him who was cured, it is the Sabbath, it is not lawful for you to carry your bed. He answered them, he who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? But he who was healed did not know who it was. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you have been made well, sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. Then the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. So um, I think I'm going to stop there. Well, I'll just read down to verse 19, then I'll stop. For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, and this is a critical verse, my father has been working until now, and I have been working. Therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. So let's just pray. Father, I pray you'd help me today. I believe that... You give, you've given me a word for us this morning, and um, <clears throat> I pray that you'd help me deliver it. Help us hear it. Help us be challenged by it and changed by it. I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So first of all, let's just kind of unpack the, the healing that took place, first of all. It's highly unusual. It's unusual in that Jesus... Only one of three occasions that he actually initiated healing somebody. The other occasion was the, the, the widow of Nain, her son, had died, and there was a funeral procession, and Jesus was moved with compassion and went up and stopped the funeral procession and raised the son from the dead. Another occasion, a few chapters later in John, there's a blind man, and the disciples are asking, who sinned, him or his parents? And he said, neither one. But the the glory of God may be revealed, and Jesus initiated healing with that man. And then this occasion. So 
It's the only three occasions of which I'm aware. Now, if you are aware of another, that's fine. But that's the only three that I'm aware of that Jesus himself initiated the healing. Every other, every other time, people came to him, and he responded by healing them. So that's number one. It's very unusual. It's an unusual circumstance. Secondly, it's a room full of sick people. I mean, there are blind, paralyzed. There are all kinds of sick people in this room. And Jesus walks into the room, and he heals one person, and that's it. And, uh, <clears throat> boy, that, that was, I think that was difficult for Jesus to do because he was so moved with compassion. He was so compassionate. I think it was difficult for him to walk into a room full of sick people and heal one person. And that's what well, I'll come back and talk about that in a moment. Another unusual thing about this circumstance is, is that the man never, ever said, yes, I want to be healed. He never responded. When Jesus said, do you want to be healed, what did the man say? I don't have anybody to put me in the pool. And, and he just starts making excuses and Jesus just cut through that and said, well, get up and walk. And then, so he never said, yes, I want to be healed. He never asked to be healed. And then after he's healed, he goes and tells on Jesus, right? <laughs> he goes and tells the Pharisees, oh, it was Jesus that told me to do this. And so, so I think the guy is just like a loser. I mean, I don't know what to say about him, but he doesn't ever respond to Jesus. <laughs> He tells on Jesus, and he doesn't seem to be grateful. I, I don't know about the guy. So he just, he's just kind of a non-factor here in this story. So we have, we have the story set up. And then, and then he, Jesus gets attacked by the Pharisees for doing this healing on the Sabbath. And then in verse 17, Jesus says, my father has been working until now. Well, <clears throat> I, have, I have this written out. The, the pulpit commentary says this, that he, it, it, it translates that this way. My father never ceases to create, nor takes a holiday from his works. My father never ceases to create, nor takes a holiday from his works. So what he's saying is this. So I really need you to get with me right now because if not, we're going to lose the whole thing. So what he's saying is, is that God the Father is always working. As far as I understand, God the Father took one holiday. It was the first Sabbath. And since the first Sabbath, he's been working ever since then. He's been, a, he's been at work. He's been busy working ever since that first Sabbath. And there are certain things, uh, I, what I'm going to say is going to set wrong with some of us, maybe all of us, I don't know. But there are certain things that the Father does that only are fulfilled when they have humans participate with him. So now let me just compact that a little bit. 
Now, there are some things that the Father does that He's just going to do. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, He upholds all things by the word of His power. Yes, by the word of His power. He upholds all things. In other words, I mean, we know from science that the, that the universe is, is exploding outward even today. And it all began when the Father spoke it into existence. And it just, it just went rushing out. And God the Father is upholding all things by the word of his power. I, this is just a side note. I love that it says the word of his power and not the power of his word. Because the word of his power is Jesus. Jesus is the Word. He is the Word being, that was made flesh. And so Jesus, the Word, is upholding all things. Okay? So, and, and he's also going to culminate the end of the ages. I mean, whether, whether one single person on the planet believes in Jesus, whether one single person does or not, God is going to bring the end of the age to a culmination. He's going to end this age. He's going to begin a new heaven and a new earth. It's all going to happen whether one single person on this planet believes in him or not. He is going to do that. So there are some things that God the Father does that doesn't require any participation from human beings. But let's talk about salvation. Jesus paid the way for every single person on the planet to be saved. Every single person has the possibility of being saved. But we have to believe it and receive it before we experience it. Right? God the Father has done it and is doing it. But until we believe it and receive it, we don't experience it. It takes human participation for the fullness of salvation to be experienced. In fact, go one step further in Romans 10, 14, it says that how can we hear unless we believe, or how can we believe unless we hear? I can't remember how exactly it says it, but the last part of the verse says, but how can they hear unless they have a preacher? So not only do we have to have someone, not only do we have to believe it and receive it, we have to have someone to preach it. Right? We have to have someone declaring the gospel. So God the Father is doing it, but it only gets experienced when someone proclaims it, someone believes it, someone receives it. The same thing can be said about healing. Let's talk about healing, because that's what the story's about. Jesus, the Bible says, um, bore our sins in his own body. By his stripes, we are healed. He carried our sicknesses and our diseases, Matthew 8, 17. Jesus did it. But there is participation involved in receiving it. We have to believe it. We have to receive it. James chapter 5 says that not only does the person have to believe it and receive it, but there is the, there's the participation of elders, anointing with oil, 
and praying the prayer of faith, and healing comes. So there's a participation of, of humans with God the Father. Everybody with me on that? So God the Father is at work. Jesus said, my Father has been working until now. Until since creation, he's been working. But there are certain things that it takes human participation for it to come to pass, is my point. Now, whether you agree with it or not, I just want to make sure you understand my point. You may not agree with me. But, and, and I can imagine that some would be thinking, wow, now wait a minute, I don't know if that's true or not, and I would respect that. But I believe that it's true. It really goes back to the creation. When God created the heavens and the earth, and then he created the earth, and then he, he put Adam and Eve in the earth, he put them there as his partners. They were his partners. They were, they were running the planet. They had dominion over the planet. They were in charge. They, they were the ones running it. They were partnering with God. And so the whole thing goes back to the beginning. In fact, that's why we had to have a human being to purchase salvation. Romans 8.3 says that what the law could not do because it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the flesh so that in the flesh he condemned sin. So it took a human being to purchase salvation because what flesh and blood lost, flesh and blood had to win back. What flesh and blood lost Flesh and blood had to win back. See that? So it, it's this whole, it's how God set it all up. That's how he set it up. So then that's, we have that established. Second thing we want to establish is this, that Jesus ministered in the power of the Holy Spirit. What he did, he did by the Spirit. Now, I think that probably everybody in the room believes that, but really believing it is difficult for us. It's difficult for me to believe that Jesus did what he did as a man, and he didn't do what he did because he was God. Philippians 2.7 says, the, King, the New King James and the Old King James says that he made himself of no reputation. But, the, but a better translation is, is he emptied himself. And a lot of the newer translations actually have it that way. He emptied himself of his divine privileges. Jesus emptied himself of his divine privileges. And he took on the form of flesh. And he became obedient to death, even the death of a cross. So he emptied himself of his divine privileges. So when he walked on the earth, and for his first 30 years, we have no record of him doing anything supernatural, miraculous of any kind for 30 years. And then he came to baptism, and he was baptized, and then after he's baptized, it says the Spirit of God descended on him in the form of a dove. But then he was driven out into the wilderness, right? He was tempted for 40 days. And then the Bible says he returned in Luke 4.14, he returned in the power of the Spirit. He returned in the power of the Spirit. 
So what Jesus did, he did in the power of the Spirit. He didn't, he didn't do miracles. He didn't heal. He didn't know what people were thinking because he was God. He did it all as a man empowered by the Spirit. In Matthew 12, 28, Jesus said, If I, by the Spirit of God cast out demons, if I by the Spirit of God cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. But it was because he was doing it by the Spirit. So Jesus, so first of all, we want to recognize that God the Father is busy. He is working. He is working this moment. He's working every day. He's at work. And some of what he does is going to be accomplished with or without human participation, but anything that involves humanity is going to involve humanity being partnering with him for it to come to pass. And we also then recognize that Jesus, what he did on the earth, he did by the power of the Spirit. All right, so... That then takes us, now I need to try to connect the dots. So in John chapter 17, verse 18, Jesus said, he's praying. It's his, we call it the great high priestly prayer. And he's praying for all of us. And he says that as you sent me into the world, as you sent me, as you sent me, the same way that you sent me into the world, so I send them into the world. Okay, I'm going to say that again because you didn't get it. <laughs> I think Stacy got it. So, <laughs> as you sent me, the same way that you sent me into the world, that very same way I'm sending them into the world. Emptied of ourselves and empowered by the Spirit. That's how Jesus was sent into the world. Emptied of himself and empowered by the Spirit. Amen? In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus told the disciples, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And in that power, you will be my witnesses. You're not going to be witnesses in your own strength, in your own power, in your own wisdom, in your own ability. You're only going to be witnesses in the power of the Spirit. That's how we're going to be powers. By the way, I told you what the message was not. It's not living stones. It is the hands and feet of Jesus, so you guys know. So the series is identity, and so the identity is we are the hands and feet of Jesus. Okay, so I got that out of the way. So, John chapter 14, John 14, Jesus said, most assuredly I say to you, this is is a verse that nobody in the room believes. We technically believe it, but in our hearts it's just like, how how can that be true? Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. So <clears throat> let's, just, let's just, for the sake of the message, 
say that we believe it, right? <laughs> that Jesus really meant that we're going to do what he did and even greater works than what he did we're going to do. And, he's going to, and that's going to happen because he's going to the Father. Well, what's he going to do when he gets to the Father? Well, verse 16 tells us what he's going to do. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth. So what, what is Jesus going to do? He's going to pray the Father, and the Father is going to give us the Spirit. Well, why is he going to give us the Spirit? So that we can do the same things that he did. And what did he do? Well, he healed the sick, he cleansed lepers, he cast out demons, he forgave those who needed forgiving, he was gracious, he was loving, he fed the poor, he did all kinds of amazing things. And how did he do it? He did it by the power of the Spirit. He did it by the power of the Spirit. And so... We're going to do the same things that he did because he's going to the Father, and when he gets to the Father, he's going to pray the Father to send us the Holy Spirit so that we can now function like Jesus functioned. That, see, I'm not living it. <laughs> I want to live it. I want to live that, Pastor. Amen. <laughs> I want to live that. Thank you. Yes. Well, let's just unpack that a little bit. How are we empowered by the Spirit to serve? How? I mean, we don't get a magic wand and we <laughs> do the wand or, you know, how, do we, how are we empowered? Well, we pray the prayer of faith. That's one way that we're empowered. But one way we're empowered is Exactly, so now we're all the way back to John 5. I didn't lose my footing, okay? We're all the way back to John 5. Jesus went into that room and, and he healed one man. Why did he heal that one man? Well, I don't really know why the Father was just healing that one man, but on that occasion, that's all the Father was doing, was healing that one man. And Jesus, quote, saw it by the Spirit, and he went in, and he partnered with the Father, and he did what the Father said, and he left. He left. Because on that occasion, for whatever reason, now, I, I really want to, I've already said this, but I'm going to say it again. In case someone would use that as ammunition for, well, see, God just kind of picks and chooses who he heals. I want to remind us that Jesus healed everyone who came to him. Healed everyone who came to him. But on this occasion, for whatever reason, I don't know, I don't understand it, I don't even try to understand it, but evidently, all the Father was doing on that day, at that time, was healing that one man, that one ungrateful man. Right? He was not even grateful. 
He never even said, oh, yes, I want to be healed. And he never said, oh, thank you, Jesus, for healing me. He just went and told on him. Right. For whatever reason, that's all the Father was doing that day. And so that's all Jesus did that day. So what, how did, where does that connect to us? Well, <clears throat> so this is what I've been praying now for several weeks. And so I just thought I would let you share my pain. That's why I'm preaching it today. <laughs> I read this a few weeks ago, and I've just been, I'm not haunted by it, but I, I've just been oh, pondering it. God, help me with this. Because what I see in this is that, first of all, it's a great freedom. We only have to do what we see the Father do. Peter was preaching, and there was a man named Aeneas, and Peter, he says, Aeneas, Jesus the Christ heals you. Get up and walk. That's strange how he says that. What I think that was happening was that Peter saw, quote, saw Jesus as if Jesus was right there reaching out to heal Aeneas. And Peter just like, oh, wow, all I've got to do is partner with Jesus here, and Aeneas is going to be healed. You see that? Well, why did he say it that way? Jesus the Christ heals you. Because he saw by the Spirit Jesus doing that. See that? Another occasion, Acts 14, it's a little different, but Paul was preaching and, and he saw a man, he saw that he had faith to be healed. Well, how did he see that? How did he, yeah, the spirit. How did he see that that man had faith to be healed? But he saw it, and he said, stand right up on your feet. The guy was crippled. So the point is, is that God is busy, and our job is to be aware of what he's doing. To be aware of what he's doing. But now I started to say, but there's a great freedom involved too. Because I think what happens is all of us, probably everybody in the room, maybe one or two not, but most of us have the feeling like we should be more actively ministering than we are. We Probably most of us feel that way. And I think that it's kind of like we feel overwhelmed because we see all the people with all the needs every single day. And how can we touch every need? And it was just like, so what do we do? We just shut down and don't do anything. Well, so here's the freedom. You don't have to touch every single person that you meet every single day. You don't have to do that. You can be freed from that burden. You can be freed from that pressure. You, you're not responsible to touch every single person that you meet every single day. But you are responsible to touch those that the Father is touching. You're responsible to touch those the Father is touching. And, and God the Father knows people's hearts. So my, my 
theory is, it's just the theory, but my theory is that probably every single day, but maybe not every day, maybe two or three times a week, I don't know, but we rub shoulders with someone who is at that moment, at the point of responding to God. Maybe they have a need, maybe they have a sickness, maybe their heart is broken, maybe they have bondage, and for whatever reason, they are ready for a word from the Lord. And maybe not every day, but but my guess is almost every single day, we rub shoulders with someone that is that their heart is ready and the Father's working. And, and so now this goes back to my very beginning premise, that it's not going to happen, though, unless there's a human partner. Now that's, you know, you may not agree with that. But if the premise is right, so God is working on that person today, and I rub shoulders with that person, And by the Holy Spirit, I recognize, I sense, I, quote, see what God is doing in their life at that moment. Well, that's pretty easy to minister then, right? Because God the Father is already busy. He's already working. He's already doing it. He just is waiting on a human partner to partner with him to bring it to fulfillment. See that? And so, boom. Aeneas, it's like, I think Peter's like, oh my God, Jesus, Jesus is making you well, Aeneas. And boom, Aeneas is healed, right? So we're, we're, we're working, we're going through the day, and all of a sudden we're just, we're just aware, wow, God is working on this person's life. And so we speak a word, we say a prayer, we we minister in some way or another. And what we do is we partner with God. We partner with God. And and that's always going to be a win, right? That's always going to be a win. I mean... I've tried to minister to people, and, and um, it's all on my own power, and it's all on my own ability, and uh, it's such a struggle. But when I know that I'm partnered with God, then, then it's going to be a win. Amen? Then it's going to be a win. So <clears throat> the point of the message is, is hearing or seeing what the Father is doing and then partnering with what we see the Father doing and doing, right? And not feeling, and and again, I want to emphasize, I mean, if someone comes to us, we need to respond. When people came to Jesus, He responded. If someone comes to you, I would just look at that like the Father is busy, right? And you need to respond. But other than that, we don't have to go through the day feeling like, oh, I gotta, 
minister to every single person. No, we don't have to do that. Just God knows. He knows where people are. He knows where their hearts are. And he is working in He's working every single day. He's busy. He hasn't taken a holiday since the first Sabbath. He's busy. And he's busy in every one of our environments, every one of our lives, in the world and every one of us live. He's busy. He's working. And what our job, to, our job is to do, and so this, I'm wrapping it up. I'm really early. Um, kids are going to be like, what? <laughs> so what, what is our job to do? It, it's, it's number one, to open our hearts to the Holy Spirit and to be freshly filled with the Spirit, I think, on a daily basis. We, we need to be filled with the Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. We need to pray in the Spirit. We need to be open to the Spirit. And then we allow the Holy Spirit to sensitize our hearts to what's going on around us. We allow the Holy Spirit to sensitize our hearts to what the Father is doing. And then we learn to respond to that. So that's, that's where I'm out here with you saying, how do I do that? How do I do that? Well, it's, it's a daily walk. Every day. I can't today get filled with the Spirit and Thursday expect to be sensitive to the Spirit. I need a fresh filling on Thursday morning. I need a fresh touch on Thursday morning. And then that person I bump shoulders with on Thursday, that their heart is broken and the Father's working, I'm going to be aware of it. And I'm going to be able to touch them. Right? So my prayer is, I really am praying. I mean, I actually had another message I was going to preach and all that, but... but um. I like this is what the Lord wanted me to share. And, and I believe that he wants it to actually be practiced, that we actually do it, that we actually are sensitive to the Spirit. And we have testimonies that come from you in your workplace where you have been able to minister and touch and heal and lead someone to Christ, and bring deliverance, and bring hope, wherever you are. Because the Father is working in every one of our worlds. Okay? He is busy in every one of our worlds. And it's up to us to partner with him. We hope this message was impactful to you. If you would like to hear more, please remember to subscribe. For more information, you can visit our pages on both Facebook and Instagram. God bless you and have a great rest of the week.